0: It was always part of the plan to put a brewery in, but for many years it, it was just a plan.
1: It's 100% acquisition of Green Beacon. No, we had a chat with everybody. Anyone would have seen this
0: coming a mile away. The passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing. Oh yeah, that's super simple and
1: direct question. It's always fun to get to speak about beer. And that's just what we're here to do, talk about beer. Or probably more accurately this week, yeast, as we catch up with brewer Ruth Barry and talk about her favourite topic. After getting into home brewing in her early 20s and discovering the joy of yeast driven German beers while working at Brisbane's famous German club, Ruth decided to make a career in beer. As a home brewer, she has won awards for lacto fuelled sours and has worked for Boat Rocker and now White Rabbit in its barrel room. There is a common thread through her whole career path. This is a fun chat about how a passion for science and microorganisms has led to a career. Enjoy my chat with Ruth Barry. Ruth Barry, welcome to Beer is a Conversation. Hi. <laughs> <How are you>? <laughs> <laughs> now, look, I've been wanting to have a chat to you for for, for quite a while, and it, and and with the the COVID lockdowns and everything, I haven't uh, gotten down to Melbourne. So beer as a conversation is a great way to to talk about. You've been in my Facebook feed for a while, and I, I don't know too many people in my Facebook feed that are as passionate about yeast as you are. Tell us a little bit about your, your, your background. Now, you you're a Brisbane girl living in Melbourne. Um, let's fill in those two um, data points so you, you grew up in brisbane
0: yeah so I, um my we moved there when i was a kid so i grew up there it's been about 20 years i think sort of mid 2000s um i was dating a guy who was homebrewing um it was pretty rough <laughs> compared to what um doing nowadays just your kitten kilo uh, no temperature control or whatnot
1: he, he was home brewing already um or did yeah. you get into it together
0: um, he was homebrewing already, but sort of introduced me to it. And what
1: was his aim? Was he was, was he fascinated about the um, about the chemistry and the beauty of fermentation, or was he just um, like a lot of uh,
0: young men? He was a bit of both, more into the recipe. So, sort of, you know, like being able to add your own things, you know, and other random ingredients and things and, you know. But, yeah, like not super into it, not compared to, I guess, to today's. Sort of standards of home brewers, which are, you know, of, of doing all grain and all that. This is just, yeah, pretty simple, cheap stuff um, <laughs> just... Yeah, you know, two can um, <laughs> sort of stuff, and you know, you just use the. You go buy a big packet of dried yeast, and you just add a couple of spoons in and stuff, and it'll be right. And you fill it up with a garden hose, and <laughs> you know. <laughs> It was sort of but it was an introduction and how old were you
1: at this stage when when you first got into home brewing?
0: I was twenties okay um then i yeah got the job at the Brisbane German club um I was into interested in sort of exploring beers at that point, and then I decided I liked sort of sort of multi sort of estuary beers of you know sort of yeast and mop forward and so I quite like the German club so um I annoyed Tony and he gave me a job so I worked there for a few years and that sort of introduced me a lot to I guess European sort of styles um a lot of wheat beers (laughs) they put there I think like 90 different ones while I was working there and that sort of yeah and then I think from there I decided you know I didn't want to do hospitality forever so I think the big move to Melbourne was to try and get work down here Yep. um and because there wasn't that many breweries up there then, like you had because we're talking at,
1: 2011?
0: Yeah, I think no, um, 2015, oh, 2015, when
1: you moved, but uh, you're working, you, you spent a couple of yeah, years at the yeah, German yeah. Club, and I'm, and I'm yeah. sure that you would have served me. Um, because I was a, a frequent, there, there weren't too many beer bars in, in Brisbane at that stage, and no, the, the German no, Club had such a great selection.
0: Yeah, so we used to get quite a few. We get a lot of the Babs guys in, and yeah, you got all of the old sort of. Um, and I think Ross from Backers used to have Christmas parties there <laughs> every <laughs> year. Um, but yeah, so you should have had a few sort of um, beer nerds should come in pretty regularly, or you know, semi regularly. And then you had other people that just wanted to drink because that was the only thing I could pronounce. <laughs> <laughs>
1: How many different pronunciations have you had for something like Weinstefana?
0: Oh, lots, lots. Um, there was one group that used to call the Franziskana um, Frankensteiner. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, the, yeah. there was a lot of, a lot of different pronunciations. <laughs> um, people wouldn't drink this, and that was sort of at that time. Um, people in Brisbane wouldn't, wouldn't wouldn't drink beers, which they didn't know how to pronounce. <laughs> um, they didn't figure it out. They could just point at the tap. Um. <laughs> <laughs> did your interest,
1: because you mentioned that you loved the sort of yeast characters um, of German beers and the, the, the estuary profile. Did that come from your time at the German club or did that predate it and it just happened to coincide with your time at the German club?
0: Um, it did sort of predate, like I think... I found the was it the Unibrew, brew, um, their triple. So I really I was, like and triples were probably what, what sort of got me into like craft beer. <laughs> so, um, so, so those sort of styles that very sort of um, yeast driven um, sort of beers that sort of I guess sort of what made me realise that beer wasn't all just four X, um, <laughs> you know, and there was sort of diversity out there. Yeah, so, that, so it did tie in, I think, because um, I think there wasn't too many. I was working in hospitality. There wasn't too many bars which were doing cool beer stuff. So, and yeah, so that was sort of a pretty logical move for me at that point. It, it's something that we've
1: looked at a little bit on Brews News is the death of Australian craft wheat beers. Um, because for so many people uh, who you know, maybe, you know, in, in, over the you know, earlier than the last decade it was that the German wheat beers were one of the first things that they tried that was different to the mainstream beers that they had grown up with and it was the, the, the banana and clove characters of, of a German wheat beer that said oh wow this can taste a little bit different and so for, for a long time every brewery that opened had a, a wheat beer of some description but they're almost non-existent now have you noticed that?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't have a lot of ones that were good or kept well. Um, I guess because there's a start that you got to drink fresh. So maybe when everyone was sort uh, of packaging on or bottling lines, it <laughs> didn't keep as well. Um, or, you know, they wouldn't sell as quickly. So that maybe they just sat around for too long or whatnot. But yeah, I was really disappointed that I never really found any local craft beers that were doing stunning wheat beers. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, I'm not really sure why I didn't take off. Um, and they're also sort of full-bodied. I think a lot of people stick to the, um guidelines, which, um, you know, they're, they're. I think in the BJCP sort of guidelines or whatnot, um, they are quite full-bodied and they finish quite high. And so they're not really drinkable. You've got to have something that's sort of refreshing, but it's also light to sort of, you know, you can drink a fair bit of it in summer. Um, whereas if, yeah, it's too full you just sort of have one and you're that's right i'll go back to a lager now <laughs> you know um yeah so I don't, I don't know i don't actually understand why it didn't take off but i don't know people like hops people, people well, <laughs> but
1: not bitterness anymore apparently
0: yeah which is nice i'm i'm, I'm okay with that
1: <laughs> <laughs> so okay so but, but around 2014 you decided to move to melbourne to to, were you studying in Brisbane or did you move to Melbourne to study?
0: I moved to Melbourne to get a job in brewing. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it wasn't as easy as I thought it would be. <laughs> so I was out of work. Um, I was like, oh, what do I do? <laughs> so I started studying. Um, and it kind of just progressed from there.
1: And, and what was it about, a, a lot of people homebrew, but not everyone, uh, you know, a lot of people dream of opening a brewery or going into brewing. What was it about brewing that captured your imagination?
0: Um, so I grew up with a fairly sort of science um, background with dad who was, um, it was a physicist. So, uh, and I was always good at science at school. So I quite, you know, I like science, but not enough to go do physics. Um, you know, I didn't like maths that much and being able to enjoy the social aspect and enjoy the science side of it um, sort of really, you know, it, it interested me. So I felt that it was a, I don't know, everyone sort of in beer is pretty chill. like. <laughs> um, so it's a easy sort of industry to work in, I think because oh, you don't really find too many people you don't get along with.
1: Maybe true in the brewing side, in the journalism side, we tend to uh, have a few <laughs> have have a few more issues <laughs> when people don't like what you write about them. But anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was the first job that you got in Melbourne when, when you finally did uh, get some work down there?
0: Yeah, I was kegging the Thunder Road for a little bit. And Any port in a storm. Yep, Brunswick's a nice spot spot to live. But then um, after that. Um, applied for a job at Brett Rocco, so I worked there for a couple of years. Um, Just sort of uh, assistant brewer, I guess. And that was good, because that gave me a really good sort of understanding of all the processes being a smaller brewery. Um, Everything from, you know, brew house to cleaning and barrel stuff, um, which was probably my interest at the time. Um, Because I sort of, I guess, with the degree... The more I learnt, the more detailed, interesting, weird stuff um, found captivating or whatever. Um, and then, you know, milk the funk, obviously. Um, so yeah, it's just sort of weird yeast. You know, there's a lot, not a lot of research that's gone into um, yeast outside of lager yeast <laughs> um, or, you know, yeast that's used in labo- laboratories for, um, you know, like cancer research. <laughs> so that sort of was it you know that's a really interesting sort of field um in my opinion and now that we've got sort of a better understanding of um genetics and being able to sort of sequence things a lot quicker just with the technology and the computer processing that we have you know it's a really interesting sort of field
1: and did you find that interesting because you are studying now um you're doing a, a bachelor of biological sciences um, uh, just
0: a bachelor of science for oh,
1: yeah. bachelor of science,
0: but major in micro. But yeah,
1: in, in micro. So, did, were you as captivated by it before you study, or is that really, or is that knowledge really sort of extended your um, interest?
0: It's extended. I mean, you know, I obviously like beer and yeast, and yeast were cool, but I guess sort of understanding more in depth what the yeast are doing. Yeah, because I guess I didn't really know about it. That, in that sort of detail before I started studying.
1: And had you started brewing and then went into um, studying, or did you start studying and then go into get get your first job?
0: Well, because I couldn't find work. So I went into study. And then it was sort of that end of first year, summer break, that I got my first job up at, yeah, just working at Fortitude for three months. Yep. Then came back down, back into study. And then later that year, got um got sort of part-time work and, yeah, it's been working since.
1: And, and that was at um, Boat Rocker. So that would have been a nice adjunct. I mean, w- 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 with their barrel program and some of the beers that they're making there, that would have been a, a really nice alignment with the, the the studies.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's sort of why I got hired, <laughs> <laughs> to be the yeast nerd, though I think I annoyed them <laughs> 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 with all my chatter about Random yeast facts. <laughs>
1: then again, a, a yeast nerd would stand out in a world of hop nerds.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hops are great and all but
1: <laughs> Well, hops certainly cover up a lot of fermentation errors, don't they?
0: Yeah, if you had enough of them. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: isn't that what DDH is all about?
0: <laughs> um, yeah, to some extent. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> A good trial. Obviously. I'm not trying to get you into Doesn't... trouble here by by saying
1: I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll own the emails for people who uh, love their DDH hazies and things.
0: Yeah, um, I mean if you, you, you've still got to be able to brew a good beer of any style I think um, you know I think you can still taste when it's you know fermentation mess you know and the good people making the good ones do actually know what they're doing um, they're not just randomly throwing stuff. Some of them are, but the ones who do it like repeatedly make good beer know what they're doing.
1: But but isn't that the challenge with brewing? It is one of the reasons I really wanted to speak to you because I'm fascinated by yeast um, from a purely observational. I'm not. I don't have a science background, but you know, by and large, if you do the same thing with hops, you know, you can replicate um, do the same thing with malt. By and large, you know, that even accounting for the seasonal variations um you know malt is very similar yeast is a completely wild animal for for want of better words and you know it it seems to be that where a lot of brewers struggle to get consistency is is with the yeast
0: i disagree yeast are (laughs) highly domesticated and very good at doing what they do it's just maybe people aren't very good at looking after the yeast.
1: well, um, well that in itself, yeah. <laughs> I mean that that in itself. I and mean, it is a, a
0: challenge. you know, they're a living organism. So you've mm. got to kind of um make sure they're happy. In Australia it's sort of difficult as well because I guess especially with craft where you're kind of dealing with multiple yeast strains and you don't have the ability to kind of have your own little yeast lab. Um you gotta go buy the yeast from somewhere and you know if you're dealing with dry strains you know that you're sort of limited to how many different varieties you can use and if you use liquid yeast you've got to get it imported for the most part um and then you're dealing with customs um you know who might freeze yeast because you haven't got all your paperwork <laughs> in order and so there's sort of um a lot of yeast handling issues I think in Australia at this point um comes from just yeah like it, it is sort of if you're dealing with multiple strains, it's really complicated to try and um, have reliable, healthy pitches each time.
1: But then there's all of the other things that can get into in, into the brew as well if you're not careful.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, you, you've got to clean your equipment.
1: <laughs> but also if you're using multiple yeast strains, uh, you know, it it, it it is a little hard to keep the micro out.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, try not to use too many Saison yeast if you... <laughs> not cleaning stuff properly. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you've got good hygiene, it's not... I mean, Boat Rocker were pretty good. Like, w- we worked with a lot of different yeast strains and wild stuff, but um, had good hygiene processes, so it wasn't really a problem. Um, you know, and stuff that we were a bit more concerned about, we'd clean a little bit more <laughs> efficiently, but, you know. Well, well tell me about
1: uh, your homework. So, so you, you were working at Boat Rocker, but then you were also... Around about the same time, you won the what was it the System Wars competition at Good Beer Week, or was it? Um, there, there yeah,
0: Good a... Beer Week with the Grain and Grape. Grain and Grape. Um, that's so it. Yeah, I've done System Wars with those guys. System Wars. For okay. Years. Yeah, and I think the first year I won. Oh, yeah, I didn't win all of them. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> I've had a competition the past couple of years, um, but I'll reclaim that one day time after COVID. Um, but, yeah, so that was, a, that was a just kettle sour with dry hop. That was really good. Um, but, yeah, that was just simple. And, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. they let me take it home and ferment it. So I got to, you know, make sure I had enough yeast and healthy yeast and, you know, try and do low DO transfer and keg it and make it as, you know, have it fresh ready um, for the event. But that seemed to play out for me pretty well. <laughs> um, and that, oh yeah the first year was when we were limited to I think they, we had to spin the wheel and um, get like one variety of hops and one um, just one base malt and then the rest of it we could do with whatever we want um, so I took that to the extreme and didn't actually add any hops to my beer on the day <laughs> <laughs> it was all dry hop because I wanted the kettle sour it so um, hops have a very good uh, why we put hops in beer is to stop microbial growth um, in the way of uh, lactic acid bacteria. So if I put hops in um, the beer when I was making it on the day, um, I wouldn't be able to
1: sour it. You're now working at um, Little Creatures. Uh, I
0: mean, White Rabbit, yeah.
1: Because I know the breweries are co-located. So you're working for White Rabbit and doing some of the work in the um, barrel, their barrel aging program?
0: Yeah, in the Barrel Hall. Um, yeah, so there's a couple of buildings on site. So we make the White Rabbit beers. Um, so they got a different – got another brew house over for creatures. So we're just in the smaller brew house um, and sellers sort of doing um, – yeah, making beers, but particularly – my interest is the barrel age stuff. So they've let me play in there a bit, which has been nice.
1: So you see, that's where I, I'm, I'm seeing a trend develop. You know, everything is, is yeast, you know, from, from from the very beginning of your career at the German Club with yeast-driven beers and uh, the, 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 the beers that you made um, in home-brewing competitions tended to be, you know, interesting sour um, beers. And, you know, w- w- with two breweries side by side, you chose the one that is known for its yeast um work yeah. rather than, than than the hop work so so yeah you know, there's something fascinating to you about yeast on picking up
0: it is my favorite sort of ingredient if you want to pick one out of the four um in beer um i guess there's oh I mean, yeah because it's a live living organism so you've got to treat it nicely um, or treat it um properly so there's a lot more you can kind of do wrong i suppose when you you know you buy your your hops you know you kind of you can just stick them in the freezer and not think about them you know and your malt sort of has a sort of shelf life but you know you can kind of put them over there and not think about it whereas yeast you kind of you got to get them you know you can only store them dry yeast is all right because you can store that a bit longer but yeast you kind of got to look after and make sure they're happy and they've got sort of the right nutrients and They've got the right numbers. You you know you can't sort of underpitch them, and you can't pitch sick ones, and you know and sort of it's a little bit more involved. And I don't know, and I guess I like that because not all yeasts are the same either. So you've got sort of different strains which um, express different sort of you know like flavour-active um, compounds like esters and things, and sort of do other you know like yeast is what make is what makes makes beer in my opinion. You know. Uh, brewers make wort yeast make beer um they sort of do all the cool stuff so sort of yeah my interest is sort of trying to understand how they do that and how i can do my job better to make them do their job better
1: and i guess that's what i was alluding to when i was talking about yeast being a wild thing you know it it is that mystery um ingredient in, in in beer making it is the magic yeah. in beer making.
0: I mean, you know, it doesn't look like much. And you can't really see what they're doing, but, you know, they're sort of converting all their sugars and other ingredients that are in your malt and turning that into beer, you know, with all their not just alcohol but flavours um, and sort of uh, producing sort of texture as well. Um, so you've got you know, like uh, glycerol and, um, you know, and <laughs> any other favourite um the the diacetyl for adding (laughs) texture. Um, It's great if you can't smell it, you know, and yeah. So I guess that's sort of, and then I guess there's not just Saccharomyces. There's other ale yeasts, you know, that are not Saccharomyces, not just Saccharomyces for um, lager brewing. You've got ale yeast and you've got a variety of ale yeast. So ale yeast are significantly more diverse um, genetically than, your lager yeasts. And there's sort of been, you know, ales weren't really, you know, sort of like Louis Pasteur or whatever sort of isolated, you know, your lager yeast. And from then, you know, lagers have been brewed with the monoculture. Ales were, I guess, a little bit more wild for a lot longer. Um, It's only sort of more recent years. They've sort of decided to go through and isolate single strains um before that it was just a mix of whatever was you know different sort of um genetically closely related but different strains of uh, ale yeast and sometimes a little bit of bacteria and maybe some other uh Britannomyces and things with like the English ales old ales and stuff but um you know I guess it's only in the past more recent years that people have been trying to have a very one type of yeast to do their beer job you know make the product that they want I'm more interested in going back to exploring the diversity and having a little uh you know community of microbes um making sort of beers so particularly in um barrel aged beers and mixed ferment sort of stuff um because I think they sort of interplay with each other they alter each other's metabolisms and what sugars they'll eat and what compounds they produce, and, you know, you can get sort of more complexity that you can't get with a single strain Saccharomyces. Um, even if you, yeah, try and, you know, genetically modify your yeast, which isn't legal in this country, um, you still wouldn't be able to get that um, diversity and flavour profile.
1: It, it must be exciting for you that craft beer has evolved to you know uh, in, in the early 2000s for example when beer really took off in in the country it was very much driven by the hop war, wars and the uh, sort of arms race to create the most bitter beers yeah. you you must be pleased that you're sort of entering the industry or working in the industry at a time when there there is this interest in yeast and co-ferments and some of the other you know bacteria that you can use to to to, to create interesting flavors in beer and not just the monoculture of hop-driven beers.
0: Yeah, yeah there's, the market seems to be far more diverse now, and I guess more things available, and maybe consumers are more more aware of different things out there and are curious. I don't know. Either way, I get to do what I want to do. So, <laughs> and, um, uh, as long as I get to play with weird yeast, I'm happy. <laughs> do you think you would have
1: gotten as interested in a career in making beer? If you had of, if if you'd sort of been at a career decision stage at another phase of the beer cycle, you know, for example, if it had have been, you know, at a time of lagers or at a time of hop driven beers, do you think you would have had the same interest in in making beer as has come through now that yeast is is such a focus?
0: There were still yeast driven beers, I guess. You know, like with the, when wheat beers were popular. <laughs> You know, international wheat beers were popular, but there's always sort of been a segment. Um, So I think I would have, yeah, I don't know. I definitely would have prior to craft taking off. Probably wouldn't have been interested in working in <laughs> brewing. <for a week. laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's a little more just about process rather than because because yeast is where a lot of the, the 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 art and science comes together, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's sort of some up to it I guess but mostly just science and you know repeatability and if you had the right amount of cells each time uh, you'll get sort of the same flavor hopefully uh, and you don't sort of stress the yeast too much because I guess yeast are very good at adapting to their environment so if you treat them poorly they'll adapt to that and then their flavors will change um, and there won't be the same yeast that you started with sort of three months ago um, if you don't really look after them, and even you still just get mutation anyway, pretty quickly, they're uh, very good at adapting, I guess that sort of whereas you know if we sort of get too many mutations, it's pretty bad for us pretty quickly um, for a yeast, and either you know they're all sort of single cells, so if one gets a mutation that's not good, it sort of goes away pretty quick. It's no longer a problem. well. That yeast it is, but not for the rest of them. Um, so they can quickly sort of, they can undergo a lot of genetic mutations quite quickly. And you'll still have a lot of yeast, healthy yeast, because um, the ones that weren't good mutations sort of uh, die off. And the ones that were more fit for their environment um, will quickly proliferate and take the space of the other guys. So yeah. Um, Whereas we don't have that luxury in life, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> do you find,
1: particularly with a, with a focus on fermentation, um, I, I, I know that it's the sociability of beer and it's the enjoyment that you get from drinking beer that you love about beer as well. But do you sometimes find that with such a strong focus on fermentation it takes you away from that simple enjoyment of beer that you that you taste beers with that professional element or that analytical approach
0: yeah it's hard to step away from that um, i found that with um with beer judging get into um, a bit of judging with home brewing, particularly um you know, like sort of judging in homebrewing competitions and then sort of letting all the off flavors and it really sort of detracts from actually enjoying beer because you can't go out and sort of uh, drink a beer without complaining about it. (laughs) But, you know, when you find well-made beer, it's quite nice, you know. And I I really appreciate, um, you know, maybe what seem like boring beers to some people but really well-made, you know, clean beers because they're not that common and... You know, it's also yeah, like a well-made, refreshing beer is way more interesting to me than you know, and something that's got too much of everything. Um, you know, which might sell, but just isn't my. <laughs> you know, I like balance.
1: I, uh, I, I, I'm just sitting here smiling because that's yeah, it's a sort of an affirmation of my my approach to beer as well. You you're also interested in low alcohol beers or, or, or yeast made low alcohol
0: beers especially with COVID and lockdown and not really sort of, because being from Brisbane um, and then moving to Melbourne and now I'm in Geelong, most of my friends aren't in Geelong. So my social life is uh, not that exciting at the moment. <laughs> um, you know, and beer is a social drink. So if I'm not socializing, um, I don't really want to drink as much. So, but I still like the taste of beer. So the sort of, I've been homebrewing more of the low alcohol beers, you know, in their sort of 1% mark, um, because it's sort of difficult to get less than that and still have something that I'm, you know, game to drink. (laughs) Well, beer is considered inherently safe because of several sort of antimicrobial properties. One of those is alcohol. Um, so when you take the alcohol out of the beer, or you make beer without very much alcohol in it, you run a risk of uh, potentially making yourself quite sick.
1: And and that's the challenge with uh, low alcohol beers, isn't it? Because uh, yeah. you know, and it, it's it's reigniting the pasteurisation debate um, for for a lot of brewers.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, for the to to make it sort of for shelf life, you need to pasteurise it because. Yeah, th- th- if you have any sort of accidental or opportunistic microbes that get in anywhere during the process, you know that they'll sort of go from one cell to two cells to four cells, you know, quite quickly. Um, and there's a lot of uh, unfermented sugar that's still in there because you've chosen a yeast. Um, so it's, it's sort of, there's a lot more. Like, there's a few sort of yeast companies that are bringing out um, yeast that are maltose negative. So they won't ferment the main wort sugar in your beer, So, which is sort of most yeast and um, bacteria can sort of ferment, which means that if you have any opportunistic microbes in there and you don't kill them with pasteurisation or prevent them from growing, um, then you can have a – and you leave that beer sit on a shelf for three months and you can have a problem, um, either with explosions or – making people sick. Um, So there's a lot more challenges, I think, with it. That's what I like as well, because it is a bit of a challenge um, on the homebrew scale as well, because, you know, I I guess having a bit of a microbiology background, you know, I know that that there are risks, um, you know, and I'm always a bit sort of sceptical and I won't drink anything that I'm not really sure on but, but i also
1: understand that um so quite apart from the micro which is obviously an issue with beers that don't have alcohol in we, with so many craft beers using hop character to make up for, for the lack of alcohol and ensure that there's still a satisfying flavorsome beer there um some brewers have found that the the whole bio transformation is breaking down you know just when the, the brewers think that they've finished their um fermentation of these yeasts that don't break down all of the sugar that don't consume all of the sugars the biotransformation that can take place with uh, dry hopping is suddenly unlocking sugars and brewers are finding that the beers are fermenting well past what they thought would be the, the the low alcohol
0: yeah so what's going on there i think is that um so some yeast like saison yeast which make really dry beers Um, are able to excrete a little enzyme, which then can break down. So normal yeast just ferments glucose, uh, fructose, if there's any there, um, maltose, maltotriose, and um, your large yeast also ferment um, another weird sugar. Um, But, yeah, so anything that sort of short-chain starches they really can't get to because they don't have the enzymes to break them down. Whereas season yeast have these special enzymes that they can then excrete out of the cell, which will then, um, like the enzymes in in your mash, when you're mashing, um, will break down these uh, starches, which then they, you know, then converting them into maltose, which then they can ferment. Um, There is, I've heard that Uh, Possibly, because it's in, yeah, some of the US hops particularly that are kilned at lower temperatures um, have these enzymes on on it um, from non-yeast backgrounds. So they've come from somewhere else. So it's not actually, they're not actually being produced by the yeast that are fermenting the beer, but they're on the hops themselves. So when you add them into the beer the enzymes are activating, then breaking down the sugars that are in the wort that the yeast previously haven't been able or starches the yeast previously haven't been able to access. And then suddenly they're like, oh, party time. Um, Unfortunately, you've packaged your beer at this point (laughs) um, and (laughs) you run the risk of um, having uh, exploding bottles or cans (laughs) um, and having to do recalls and things. Um, Yeah, so that's sort of, you know, and that's probably an interesting thing as well, you know, with hops, I guess, is that there's sort of been a bit of an interest in uh, kilning hops at lower temperatures, which traditionally they were being killed at sort of higher temperatures so that it was uh, destroying these enzymes, so it wasn't a problem. Um, But because there's been a real drive for, I guess, aromatic sort of hop compounds that were flashing off during um, the kilning process, They've been trying to kill it at lower temperatures, which is leaving the enzyme intact, um, which then, once you put it into beer, is causing all these issues. Um, Yeah.
1: It, It sounds like we're just constantly learning about yeast and how to make better beer.
0: Yeah, well, I think we haven't really... All the science has been for, you know, 200 years. It's been based on lagers and producing lagers really well. So we know lots about that and how to make lagers very efficiently but we don't really know too much about what happens if I add you know this ingredient I just found Um, you know or this random ingredient that's you know like a you know butterfly pea flower or something you know (laughs) Um, you know um, there's not really well understood because we haven't been doing it for ages and it's also coming from a the craft market is sort of you know small breweries don't have you know, research sort of departments <laughs> running all these things, doing all these, you know, they can't afford yeah to pay a full research team to make sure everything, you know, yeah, put money into that sort of stuff. So it's not really well understood.
1: Should they put a little bit more emphasis into understanding so some of these things or should, should small brewers... Look a little bit more at you know in in, in beefing up their labs to make sure that they're on top of this stuff.
0: Uh, I mean, I think it will come. I think you know, um, all you need is a couple of breweries to do it, and then their product sort of sells a bit better, and then other breweries are losing money. Because they're not worrying about these things. I don't know. It'll be. It was just sort of the market will sort of sort itself out. I suppose.
1: What's next for you? You're in your third year of studies. Um, uh, part time. What would well, part time? <laughs> so how many? How many years uh, have you got uh, ahead of you?
0: Um, uh, I think, at this rate, probably another year. Um, yeah. At some point, I'm going to have to uh, study full time for a semester. So just sort of getting everything lined up to do that so I can, you know, afford to live. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and
1: then do you have to go on or will you go on? Like, is, is that degree enough or will you go on and do something like IBD and uh, get Brewer, brewer Qualls?
0: Um, oh, I mean, I'm trying to do IBD as part of my degree. <laughs> Try and get them to um, uh, set that as cross-institutional study or something. But I think, I don't know, I mean, it'd be cool, like, to go into yeast research, but I mean, it really sort of depends on how things go. Um, I don't think we'll have too much funding in re- yeast research, in beer at least, in Australia anytime soon
1: um, and That's an interesting thing, because the wine industry, in some ways, has invested in this sort of research, but do you find that the brewing industry hasn't?
0: not to the same scale. I mean, they've got that um, uni in South Australia for wine research, um, you know, whereas I think we've got a couple of TAF horses in Australia for brewing. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess, and wine, I guess, is more, you know, it's all about the grapes and there's a lot more sort of, I guess, uh, like horticulture sort of stuff <laughs> associated with um viticulture whereas so, you know, like you have to look after your grapes properly or your vines properly and then you you know, they don't naturally grow here very well. <laughs> so there's a lot of pests and things you've <laughs> got to worry about. Um, you know, and then and I guess, you know, if you can make good wine, you can sell it for a lot of money as well. So <laughs> there's probably incentive to sort of
1: That's where I was going to go with that. There's a lot more money um, in, in a way, like most of the money in brewing. Is still from the 90% of the market that is fairly similar lagers. And as you said, we know those yeast very, very well. So there's not as much money available to, to research that interesting end spectrum of, of, of the um, yeast world.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing is I probably might just do a bit of citizen science sort of research <laughs> Um in you know, um, into yeast on my own accord because I guess I'm interested in the bioprospecting as well. So, trying to find new wild yeasts that might ferment. Um, so yeah, I don't think it'll be a well-paying job. <laughs> <laughs> well, and
1: I've not even heard of it called bioprospecting. So if you can come up with a catchy name for something, maybe that's the key, <laughs> key to monetizing it. Yeah. So you want to go into the research side, like you don't have visions of being, um, you know, setting up something like Wildflower in Sydney and and making beers with these really exotic, interesting, you know, local characters. Yeah,
0: I'm not very business minded. (laughs) Yeah, um, I kind of like doing my thing and not having to worry about selling stuff. <laughs> Someone the <else's laughs> issue. <laughs> Someone else. That's, that's a challenge we all face.
1: I, I can assure you yeah. of that. <laughs> it's of doing what you want to do and trying to work out how to get paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> we, we do look forward to uh, watching your journey as you go on, and sort of, uh, sort of. I'll be keeping an eye on all of the things that you're doing with yeast on on Facebook, and maybe even looking at getting you back uh, once you finish your degree. And we see what the next stage is for you
0: yeah cheers thank you
1: well ruth barry thank you very much for joining us for beer as a conversation and all the best uh yeah as i said all the best with your studies and uh making interesting beer yeah
0: cheers thank you it's good chatting i'll keep you posted on where it ends up
1: and that was ruth barry radio brews news is proudly presented by crime malt with over 25 years in the field, Cryomalt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. Your premium brewing partner and proud sponsors of this, and this is Beer is a Conversation. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer@brucenews.com.au.